Welcome to Don't Box Me In, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life, talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages. Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello, and welcome. I am Lana Reed, and this is Don't Box Me In. You know, society places an overwhelming amount of pressure on men. They are expected to provide, they are supposed to protect, and they are required to please. In today's show, we're going to discuss what happens to a man when the process of pleasing in the bedroom becomes a problem. Erectile dysfunction is reported in 52% of men ages 40 to 70, leaving them with some degree of impotence. This medical condition can create dissatisfaction within a relationship if the two partners are not willing and understanding of each other to work through it. My guest today will share his story of learning how to be intimate when conventional methods of sexual pleasure are no longer an option. Author of the book, Hardly Broken, One Man's Journey to Extraordinary Intimacy in the Face of Full Impotence, Michael Russer has learned to connect with his partner in ways that I suspect even a man with working equipment would envy. I'm glad to have him here with me today. And with that being said, it is with pleasure that I welcome Michael to Don't Box Me In today. Welcome, welcome, Michael. Thank you, Lana. And I love the way you prefaced everything. Uh, <laughs> it is absolutely true. Thank you. <laughs> no worries. No worries. Like I said, from reading all of this stuff, I said, I think if guys had a clue on what you know now, uh, we would have a lot more amazing relationships. Uh, so tell me. Your story or this part of your story begins in September of 2011. Can you share with us exactly what was going on with you at that time? Oh, boy, I sure can. And and at the time, it really had nothing to do with with being impotent because I didn't know that was going to happen. Uh, what happened in September of 2011 uh, was that I. Well, how do I say this? <laughs> I. In my previous career, I was an internet, very successful international speaker, author, uh, very gregarious, very high powered on the, uh, on the platform. And yet, even still, uh, there was a part of me that was very shut down mm-hmm. from my heart. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that was, uh, I, I kind of went through life that way, Lana. And I, mm-hmm. it was very frustrating. I knew something was wrong. And, and literally, I got to the point where I felt I was dying inside. You know, this is before I found out about the prostate cancer or anything. So I need to put that into context. Okay. And, um, in fact, if you saw a photo of me just three years ago when I was at my daughter's University of, uh, of Syracuse graduation and mm-hmm. what I look like now, you think you were looking at my father. <laughs> oh, and, wow. Yeah. And people just can't believe it. And, and that's what happens when you're dying inside. So I drew a line in the sand at that mm-hmm. time. I was absolutely determined not to live that way anymore. I drew a line in the sand and that line basically demarked the place from where I went from being shut down to stepping into the unknown of what it means to be fully heart open. And, mm-hmm. um, as a result of that, I left a 26 year marriage. Uh, there was no other woman in my life. I just, we went from being soulmates to roommates, and I was celibate. Mm-hmm. Well, we were both obviously celibate for the last 11 years of that marriage mm-hmm. and uh, very respectful of each other. We raised two beautiful kids, but we decided to wait until my uh, uh, youngest son went off to college. Okay. And uh, so I ended that marriage, but that was just part of it. It really was a journey into I no longer will accept being shut down. And, mm-hmm. and, and that is actually fundamental to everything that happened after that. Okay. Now, as fate would have it, two months after I made that choice, I'm diagnosed with prostate cancer. Wow. Now, to put this, put this into perspective. Now, you know, you normally hear like, oh, yeah, okay, he, he has cancer, so he got, G- he found Jesus, and no, 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 that's <laughs> not at all what happened. That is not at all what happened. Uh uh-huh. It was quite the opposite. I, I I made this choice not knowing, and I walked away from my career as well. I I, I said, uh, I don't know where this is leading me. I just know I'm not going to be shut down, and that's mm-hmm. all. I, and so two months after I was diagnosed with prostate cancer, and to put this into context, 
cancer of any kind in my family pretty much means you're going to die. So mm-hmm. five other, five out of, uh, five other members of my immediately, of my immediate family passed away from cancer of various types. And so, you know, I'm hit with that and mm. go through a certain process there. And it was interesting because the biopsy, uh, originally showed that it was a very mild case, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And if there is such a thing mm-hmm. and, and they said, Hey, you got all kinds of time to think about it. And I says, I thought about it. Take it out now. now my intuition was just screaming at me. I just knew. Okay. And sure enough, uh, they, they, uh, performed the surgery, removed my prostate. And when they did the tissue studies, it was extraordinarily aggressive. I was about ready to metastasize, which is what kills the men. And, wow. uh, and then even as brilliant of a job as they did, they really did a fabulous job using the latest medical technology, uh, robotic assisted surgery, still didn't get it all. And mm. my PSA continued to rise. And then, uh, I went through seven weeks of radiation, very intense radiation, uh, treatments. Uh, and, uh, it's still going up. So I technically still have the cancer, but I'm very much at peace with that. Uh, but what the result of this, and I kind of knew that this might happen and sure enough did, is that I was rendered fully and clinically impotent, which means not even the little blue pills or <laughs> little yellow pills or any of these other herbs or and nothing works. And so you can imagine the, um, the irony I felt that after being faithful in a marriage that was not intimate uh-huh. in 11 years, I'm looking up, and I go through these four stages, right, of, uh-huh. of loss. I, I'm looking up at the, the heavens almost like. <laughs> Why me? Yeah, you're going, well, you've got to be bleepity bleep kidding me. And, I, can, uh, I can finally get me some, and now I can't get yeah, me some. Yeah, I got, so I was faithful, and I, I, you know, I threw myself into my work just so I wouldn't think about it. And yeah, now, oh, come on. And so. I, uh, so I went through the four stages and this is what all men go through that are affected by this. And mm-hmm. the first is disbelief. Mm-hmm. Then there's usually quite a bit of anger and I had that. There's no mm-hmm. question. And then the third stage is the stage where most men get stuck. And that is either depression or, uh, they try to negotiate their way out of it. I, I'm by nature, I'm not a highly depressive person. So I yeah. tried negotiation that didn't work. <laughs> and, but a lot of men get stuck in depression because in our culture, uh, how we define ourselves as men is tied to how hard and how long and how True. well we can use it. True. Now, I'm here to say for all the men listening and the women and their women, mm-hmm. that is simply a choice. There is no truth to that. That is just a choice. And it's a choice uh, that you can choose to make or choose to do something else like what I did. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you're hearing any shame in my voice at all. Not at all. Not at all. No, I feel no shame. I, I feel very much a man. In fact, <laughs> frankly, I've never been, I never felt as much of a man as I do now. And uh, so I, I got to that point of acceptance. And that's really, really crucial. Because when you stop fighting what is and accept it, Mm-hmm. I don't mean like you give up. That's not giving up. Acceptance and giving up are, are two different things. True. I mean, accept the nature of what is. Mm-hmm. You do that, and you do that with an open and vulnerable heart. Then it releases you. It also opens up doorways to incredible possibilities that you cannot possibly imagine. And, and so I, you know, I didn't know what was next for me. Mm-hmm. I just knew that fighting it was not going to be, uh, it was not going to serve me at all or my future gotcha. partner. Gotcha. And, and so after about a year of dealing with that, um, I finally met an incredible woman. Uh, you know, keep in mind now, now it's 12 years since I've had <laughs> any kind of uh, sexual relations and uh-huh. uh and and so I, I meet this incredible woman um and i wasn't even looking at the time which was really interesting uh, i was actually getting ready to go to brazil for three months and i uh, happened to i mean it was just happenstance 
I meet this incredible woman and after a few weeks of, you know, being friends and hiking and, you know, doing that kind of stuff, it became clear that this is probably going to be something more than just friendship. Okay. And then I, I, I had to have the conversation with her. And I remember that fall day here in Santa Barbara, the sun streaming mm-hmm. in, seeing her beautiful face and looking into her gorgeous eyes. And I, mm-hmm. and I said, you know, sweetie, <laughs> I'm pointing down to my crotch. I said, <laughs> this ain't happening. Oh. It ain't never happened. Uh. Are you willing to explore other ways of being intimate? And being the incredible woman that she is, she says, of course. Uh. Now, I just want to put a context around this, if I may. She is fully postmenopausal. Okay. Uh, to meeting me, she had uh, huge problems with dryness, as many women do. Okay. Uh, and and even when she didn't have those problems, she found traditional intercourse not to be all that satisfying or fulfilling uh, okay. for her, as many women. Uh, okay. So uh, that was the context, and she had never been with a man with erectile dysfunction. Okay. And so this was really so I you know I'm going wow, <laughs> woman or what? And yeah. One of us knew what that meant. You know, what does it mean to explore other ways of being intimate? We didn't know. So we, we really just kind of allowed our intuition to carry us. And, and uh, in that exploration, what opened up for us was so extraordinary in terms of the depth and level of experience, both emotionally and physically, that even to this day, we still both shake our heads and saying, how is this even possible? When we share our experiences with couples, men and women or couples who are functioning, quote unquote, normally, uh-huh. they look at us with such disbelief that how can you possibly experience that? I don't, I, even when you're functioning normally, mm-hmm. so it truly opened up a gateway to extraordinary intimacy. And what I found out by doing research, because I, I called, a, I, I really researched a lot of people because part of my mission now, and, and through all this, I found my, my, my new mission, which is helping two things, helping people who are directly affected, which is men and women in relationship who are directly affected with erectile dysfunction based on, for whatever reason, and prostate cancer is just one of many reasons that it okay. happens. And then also helping couples in general who otherwise have a very strong emotional connection, which is, uh, to me, a necessary condition, Mm -hmm. uh, to achieve extraordinary physical intimacy on that foundation. Uh, Because a lot of couples um, have uh, what I call the impotence of lack of intimacy uh, because of the way men and women are wired. Yeah, that's what I would, uh, not to cut you off, that's what I would assume, though, like even with couples that have working equipment, um, they still experience sexual dissatisfaction between the two of them, you know, so. Very, very, uh, very, and the older they get, the more they they feel it, Mm -hmm. and and so our experience really gave us tremendous insight, I mean, all these things started flooding into me and going, my God, how is this possible, and Oh, now I see why this is. And, and what I found out is, is that, uh, 50, uh, statistically speaking, about 15% of couples who experience erectile dysfunction actually end up becoming far more intimate and have far more fulfilling sex lives than what they had before. Oh. And I can't tell you how many women I've talked to who said that the best uh, intimacies, physical intimacy, I, and I use that in, in, instead of the word sex, and I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. Uh, intimacy to me connotes connection. So when I say physical intimacy, I'm talking about physical connection that, yes, usually does involve sex, but sex by itself often does not connote intimacy from the context of connection. It can be true. just, you know what I'm saying? And so, yeah, true. And so we found that about 15% of couples that have this problem actually discovered this on their own on how to have incredible, deep, connecting, and fulfilling intimacy beyond what they ever had before. So this is not isolated just to me. I'm not, I'm not a, <laughs> I'm not an N of one in the statistical <laughs> parlance. Uh, uh, but I, what I have done is kind of 
uh, encoded why it is. And in so doing, I'm able to help couples and men and women really see things much differently than what they've seen before. And perhaps the biggest thing that I, I came to is that this one simple observation is that the way we men and women are biologically and culturally wired literally gets in the way of what our hearts truly yearn for. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, we're going to take a real quick break, Michael, and we're going to continue with that right after this commercial. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello, and welcome back. I have the pleasure of being uh, with Michael Russell today, who is a man who has discovered intimacy after impotency. And I want to say, um, I'm sure at the conclusion of today's hour, you'll have a lot of women out there who will, you know, be looking at their partners why can't you be more like that? Why Why can't I get some of that? And I want to say or want to mention, you do offer um, tips and pointers to people on how to yes. create in them? Okay, okay. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and it's and it's it's free. It's, it's actually excerpts from my new book coming out, Hardly Broken. Uh, and they can go to hardlybroken.com. Uh, just sign up for the free tips and they, uh, they'll get a new tip each month and, and it starts with emotional intimacy because that is the foundation for all other intimacy. Uh, I don't care how great the sex is in the beginning. It will wane <laughs> if you fade. don't have a strong foundation. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Now I want to backtrack real quick. I, uh, when you said in 2011, when you discovered that you had prostate cancer, um, it was a year before you found the woman that you are with now. Um, That's correct. But you were going through a lot of emotional things, I'm assuming, at that particular time, because you said um, you had shut down emotionally in your heart with them. Somewhere. Did you have anybody support system at that particular time, or were you going through this solo during this time period? Well, it's kind of, that's a really interesting question, and you are actually, the, I've done, I can't tell you how many shows I've done, and you're the first host to ask me that. <laughs> so thank you. I, I acknowledge you for your insight. I uh, I had been thinking about what I call life 3.0, and uh, so I used to speak about technology, so I used the technology parlance, right? So mm-hmm. version 3.0 of my life, <laughs> and uh, and I didn't know quite know how to pull the trigger. I just knew I had to pull it. Mm-hmm. So in sub- that September, early September of that year, I was actually approached by a young uh, woman who um, wanted my advice, some business advice, and uh, she was referred to me by a mutual acquaintance. And I said, "Sure, I'll be happy to help you." After 15 minutes of talking to her, I realized, "Oh my gosh, she, this is not for her." She's, <laughs> uh, you know, I says, "So I says, you know, Kimberly, what do you, you know, what is it that really?" that you really love doing. And then she told me that she actually assisted people in uh, massive life changes. Okay. And she started explaining some of the work that she did. And so I, on a whim, I mean, it's just one of those moments where it's like the, the sliding door in that movie with Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> mm-hmm. You, all of a sudden you, you have this impulse and you say something and that, that moment changes everything. Mm-hmm. And so I said to her, just like, I didn't know what came over me. I says, you know, I've been thinking about this thing called Life 3.0. I don't know quite how to pull it off. Mm-hmm. Would you be willing to coach me on this? Okay. And her initial response was, it, 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 she was shocked because here she was approaching me for business <laughs> advice. And then she quickly shook that off and said, okay. Hmm. Five days later, I had pulled the trigger on everything. Okay. And, um, and then she was a, a catalyst. Um, actually a, a, a very good catalyst in the sense that, uh, because there were times that I felt like I was just going, I couldn't do it by myself. Mm-hmm. I was going to go mm-hmm. back and I knew that would have killed me. And, mm-hmm. uh, so, you know, she, uh, she worked with me. She kind of encouraged me and, uh, but I was the driver in the sense that, any action taken, I did, and mm-hmm. I did it with 
great alacrity. So, now I didn't do it alone, but here's the thing. When I left the marriage, I did it very quickly. Um, even though my ex-wife and I had talked about this possibility, when I pulled the trigger, it shocked everybody. Wow. And I, I knew I was probably going to lose most, if not all, the friends that were associated with the marriage. Wow. And that's exactly, that's exactly what happened, Lana. I lost them all. And, um, and my kids were, they, they were like, what just happened? And they mm. weren't surprised about the divorce because they could, they could, you know, kids know there's no yeah. intimacy there. But they were shocked that their dad that otherwise looked like he was uh, a rocket Gibraltar suddenly, yeah. you know, went this direction. But I have zero regrets and I would never go back to the way I was. I would rather die than go back to wow. the way I was. Wow. So if I'm understanding what I'm hearing, you were going to all of your doctor's appointments and recovery. You were flying solo on that? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Amazing. I mean, I know one of the things that really helps us uh, get through a lot of things is some sort of support system. And it speaks to your character that you're able to to go through all of that. I mean, and that is uh, all of that, you know, and come out on this end, you know, all on your own. I mean, that's that's amazing in itself. Thank kudos you. to you. Kudos, kudos to you. So you found this wonderful lady. Right. Uh, a year later, um, mm-hmm. and you were saying that even in her own sexual life, she had experienced some problems. Do you think that was an asset to you guys building your relationship, or no? I, I think so. Yeah, uh, in the sense that she is very, she's not at all um, reticent to share her her thoughts and feelings about things. She uh, she is my <laughs> biggest. She is my most honest critic. <laughs> 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 Which is one of the things I love about her. Uh, she will not hesitate to tell me if I'm going off in the wrong direction or if I'm, you know, if I, if, if she thinks I'm, you know, just not living up to who, uh, I really am capable of being. So she is, she is, uh, you know, just a marvelous, marvelous human being, very conscious human being. Uh, and, um, so, you know, we, we, we started exploring this and, and what, the way it, it started happening is, is, and we set up a romantic weekend as our first real intimate kind of getaway because we wanted to be away from uh, the normal, you know, the uh, environment and just be in a neutral kind of environment where it's, it was fun. It was a, uh, it was a hot springs spa resort and it was, it was a perfect place to open this door. And, um, you know, it's interesting because I, I still hadn't quite given up the possibility of having intercourse. <laughs> so I brought all the stuff. I brought that. I brought the highest dose of Cialis, the highest dose of something called Muse, which is $120 uh-huh. a dose. Uh, oh. and then I even brought a vacuum pump and I, I, I will, I will, I will spare you the details, but uh. let's just say none of them worked. And oh. my, the final attempt being the vacuum pump and uh, the, with the, very ignoble end of me sucking in my left testicle and doubling me over with pain. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I thought, I, and by that time, my and she's, you know, we had just spent maybe half hour, 45 minutes just kind of warming each other up. And I'm going, <laughs> oh, my God, it's over before it's, it, it even started. And, oh, my God. Oh. And sweat's pouring down my, and she's looking at me like, you poor schlep. And, uh, and, and it was at that point, it was at that point that I finally said, I'm done. Mm-hmm. No more. Okay. I said, let's just forget all this stuff and let's just lay together uh-huh. and see what happens. <sighs> oh my God. We made love for like four or five hours. That, that night, and we had more energy after we were done than when we started, and we only went to sleep simply because we knew we'd be exhausted the next morning if we didn't. We completely missed dinner. <laughs> uh, I think the gift shop was open, and I had a bag of cashews or something. Mm-hmm. And then the next morning, again, we made love for hours, and um, and and in no, that. No. Ex- no, I'm yeah, sorry. I know, I'm, I know where the question's coming from. How no, is that I'm not, no, no, no. I'm going to because I think I have the answer, but I'm just going to ask for the audience because you know we're most of the, the the definition is making love. Okay, there's some penetration going on. So, what is it exactly that you guys do for hours? Well, uh, I tell you what. Can I put some uh, uh, context on this? Uh, sure. Just- 
the answer to that. Yeah, sure. that, 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 that would be helpful, I think, for everybody to get it. So, it, it first of all, it, the context here was is that once I fully accepted my condition, I, I, um, I started becoming much, much more present to her. Mm-hmm. And because, and this is where it gets interesting, because I was not able to get hard, mm-hmm. even though my, my libido was like up through the roof and I had not <laughs> been with a woman, a different woman in over 30 years, uh, and, or with any woman in 12, I, um, I was not able to get hard. And when a man gets hard, let me tell you something. And I'm <laughs> not saying anything new here, mm-hmm. but when a man gets hard, we are wired to be ready right now. And an mm-hmm. overwhelming urge comes over us to want to use it. And <laughs> typically for intercourse, some sort of penetrative, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, sex. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and, and, you know, usually <laughs> if lucky in the last 15 minutes, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and by that time the woman's going, you gotta be kidding. I'm this just is all I get 15 that's minutes. It. <laughs> I have a very cute graph. I'd, in fact, I can do that. I can actually send you images while we're on oh, this. I can do that if I can. So anyway, <laughs> I, uh, uh, I, um, uh, so I slowed way, way down, mm-hmm. and um, and and in the in the process of doing that, I was I was able to be very, very present with her, and listen to her, uh, what she was telling me, what her body was telling me, what her breath, what her heart was telling me, everything, and it um, uh, and so I ended up spending a good thirty, forty five minutes or so just. Focusing on her, whether it meant massaging her or stroking her mm-hmm. and, and often not necessarily genital, but it was mm-hmm. definitely lovemaking okay. and a very, very deeply connecting. And what was, it was, it was like we were both on fire. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, with the energy that was going between us and it was like every little touch was unbelievable. Well, after about, you know, 45 to 60 minutes of that, we eventually get down to what most people would call business. And, okay. and we had discussed prior to this that we both enjoyed greatly, uh, oral sex. Okay. And so, uh, or I should say oral st- stimulation because it's uh, oral sex sounds so, uh, you know, <laughs> overt. And, um, and, uh, and, and so, uh, I am getting enormous satisfaction and pleasure out of giving her pleasure. Uh, and the other thing too, the way men are wired, and this is something that I learned, and she actually helped teach me, is that, uh, you know, us guys, we tend to think that harder and faster is better. Mm-mm. And for us, that's usually the case. <laughs> but for women, and she showed me, she literally took my, her hand and showed mm-hmm. me how she wanted it. And it was anything but harder or faster. So, when I got to that part of the the evening, I listened, and I was honored. I felt honored that she would be so honest and upfront with me, and and so I listened because nothing is more important to a man. I'll tell you this right now, no, and ladies, please listen to this. <laughs> nothing is more important to a man than knowing he can please you genuinely, not this fake moaning that happens eighty seven, uh-huh. but genuinely. More than any other man on the world, in the world. And, and so, but to do that, you need to coach them. All right. Yeah. I I think, yeah, I think it works. It works both ways. You have to have a female that is in tune with her body to say, you know, no, a little to the left, a little to the right. And then you always have that comedic moment at the end where the guy is struggling, like after it's, you know, well, uh, did you, uh, you know, uh, did you, uh, you know, did you come? Did you not? You know, so, you know, you you always have that. Well, it's time for, um, I hate to cut you off. It's time for our second break, but we're going to continue on with your very first lovemaking session right after this. Let's return to Don't Box Me In with your host, Lana Reed. 
Hello, hello, hello. I am with Michael Russer, author of Hardly Broken, One Man's Journey to Extraordinary Intimacy in the Face of Full Intimacy, uh, Impotence. And before the break, we were talking about uh, his very, very first lovemaking session after um, after uh, surgery, prostate cancer. Now, I want to ask you this, and no disrespect to your marriage. Sure. Um, that very first lovemaking experience that you had, would you say that it was the best thing that you've ever experienced, or how how did that? How do you feel about that? It, it was it was so far beyond anything I even imagined possible. Okay. Uh, so yeah, that's no disrespect to my ex wife at all. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if, frankly, if I had been functioning normally, it would have been a very different outcome. Okay. Very different, and. Um, so literally, it was because of the ED that allowed me to, let's say, short circuit that wiring that uh, gets in the way of what our hearts truly yearn for and really slow down to match her sexual response profile. I just sent you a graph that I think you'll find uh, kind of yeah, interesting. I think it's yeah, it's downloading the, now. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the, the, um, uh, so, so a number of things, a number of huge insights occurred for me. Uh, the first was, of course, the whole slowing down. And because I didn't have that urge, I was able to be very present and fully there for her and focus just on her. Uh, secondly, I found that I was receiving incredible sense of fulfillment and pleasure just by giving, doing that for her. And, mm-hmm. uh, I, and I think a lot of men, um, maybe underestimate the power of that. And then uh, the other thing, too, is is that because she coached me, I was able to uh, provide a level of pleasure that she had never experienced in her wildest imagination. And it's not because I'm any great lover or anything. It's because I was coachable. And so I um, so what happened was is that um, eventually um she did climax explosively. She, oh my God, it's a good thing the, the walls were thick. And <laughs> I, I kid you not. I mean, this was, un- it, you, there was no faking here mm-hmm. whatsoever. You can't fake that. And, um, and then I did something I've never done before. Mm-hmm. I continued. Mm. And then. No, give me did. 20 minutes. Let me rest and let me get back on the no, grind. Uh, no. <laughs> No, she, because I was going so softly and I fought that urge that, 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 that my mind was screaming as I knew you could feel her getting close to climax. My mind, my male mind was saying, do it harder, do it faster. Mm -hmm. But what she had taught me was, no, don't keep it soft, keep it slow. Well, that drove her right through the roof. And then after she climaxed, she then uh, shortly after that, climaxed again and again and again. Wow. So it is now to the point that, uh, and, and unlike many relationships that after the, you know, the honeymoon period or so, you know, things kind of get a little, you know, stayed in routine. Um, our intimate life now is better than ever. She will climax a minimum. And I'm not exaggerating here. A minimum of five to seven times each time we make love. We make love two to four hours each time. We plan it. We don't, you know, we schedule it in. We're both very, very busy, uh, independent professionals. Okay. And, um, and, uh, we, uh, and, and, and it was actually one time <laughs> near mm-hmm. Christmas last year <laughs> when she, uh, she actually climaxed 13 times. And, Amazing. I bet, yeah. I guess she's glad a, a lot of females don't have your phone number because, you know, <laughs> she, she gets what a lot of women crave. Tell me that. I tell you that. Well, yeah. So it's, it's, uh, well, she has nothing to worry about because <laughs> I, I can't imagine being with anybody else. Mm-hmm. And, um, because we have such a deep emotional connection, which is that foundation. And, and, uh, so I, I learned so many things, you know, slow down. Men and women are different. Slow down. Mm-hmm. Focus on her. Do it. Listen to what she has to say on how, what she likes. And then, you know, if she's, if, if as long as it doesn't, is not too sensitive, 
don't stop after you think everything's done because, uh, you know, as a man, the ability to give my woman that many orgasms, there's nothing that can replace that. And now keep in mind, for the first four months, because I was completely flaccid, I was not able to have an orgasm. I, I had to rewire my brain. I mean, I was, you know, I was going right to the roof uh, in terms of what she did for me, but I wasn't able to get to that, you know, kind of go mm-hmm. over the edge. But the thing is, I never felt frustrated. Okay. And okay. it's gotten to the point now she can, she can, <laughs> she can. <laughs> I mean, it's like it doesn't take long, and it's okay. and the irony is, is that the my climax is because I don't have an off switch because I don't okay. ejaculate. Okay. Uh, are far more intense and far longer lasting than I ever had before. Uh, yet, having said all this, she and I both agree that. If we had to, we always go into these little discussions of, you know, what ifs. If we had to give up one or the other, if she had to give up having, you know, massive multiple orgasm each time we make love versus giving me pleasure. And if I had to give up giving her massive multiple orgasms versus her giving me pleasure, we would each give up our own pleasure for the sake of giving each other pleasure. Now, that's maturity in a couple. And, you know, that brings me to a hypothetical question I want to ask. Now, you know, a lot of this happened at a stage in your life where you were mature emotionally in a lot of areas. So I just want you to reflect back on Michael at 17, 18, 19. And if you had to teach a class of young teenagers um, how to sexually please their females what would be some key points for the young bucks because you know they want to get in there it's it's about fast and quick and you know it's all about themselves what would you want to get across to a younger crowd of people about how to make love to their partners lana you are amazing we've got a talk more after this call (laughs) uh you are so insightful because that i've thought about that Mm-hmm. And our society today, and this is where the cultural wiring comes in. Mm-hmm. Our society today puts emphasis on performance. Mm-hmm. And, uh, by the way, what I say about performance is go ahead, print it out in big, bold letters on a, on a piece of paper and then put it through a shredder. Cause that's the last time I, you ever want to see it anywhere, especially in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. You want to replace it with presence. And having been a highly, uh, charged and sexually active, uh, you know, uh, young man mm-hmm. aware. Yeah, that's all I thought about. <laughs> I can certainly relate to how they're thinking, but I also knew there was a part of me as I feel there's a part in every man, no matter what age that they know there's more, mm-hmm. they know that there's more than just that. And so I, I would start by, first of all, you know, I, I prefer asking questions rather than telling because I like, I think it's much more powerful for people to come to their own conclusions. So sure. it's a matter of asking the right kind of questions. And that is, is that, you know, I might start with something like, you know, yeah, uh, you know, in today's society, you know, you guys are, it's all about how many times you can do it and scoring mm-hmm. and all that. But after you do that, what have you got? Sure. What's left? Sure. And, yeah, it feels great when you're doing it. You feel like a stud. You feel like a man. <laughs> and and it's wonderful. You know, it's very pleasurable for you. Maybe or maybe not for the woman, regardless of what she's saying. Yes. But what have you really got in the end? And what is it that you're looking for? You know, we live in a society where everybody's attached to their quote-unquote smartphone, and it's making us more disconnected than ever in terms of human interaction. Sure. And we live in a society where the drug of choice is distraction. And part of, and we'll do anything we can to distract ourselves from being in the present moment. And that includes, you know, mindless sex. That includes mm-hmm. uh, eating. That includes, you know, unending watching of movies and doing anything, Good anything to yes. not be in the moment. And so I would start from that foundational principle is that, what if you were able to be in the moment? What would that look like for you? How would that feel? And how, how would that relate to your relationships for women, with women? 
is it you really just want to have a string of one-nighters? Mm-hmm. Or do you really want to have a relationship that lasts and where you have mutual respect and plus have better sex than you could ever possibly imagine doing it the way you're doing it now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I'd shut up and let them <laughs> And then he says, no, you know, Michael, I just want to put notches on my belt. That's all I'm really focused on. I just want to put notches on my belt. And then, and, and there's going to be those. And I can yeah. say, hey, more power to you. There will, there's likely to become a time when that will no longer feel very good or fulfilling. And until you get to that point, my friend, there's nothing I can say to help you. And, yeah. and, and, and I'm not in any way judging you. True. I understand. I've been there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also felt at the same time there had to be something more. I just didn't know how to access it. So if you're open, if you're open to possibilities that you can't even imagine at this point, and if I can do it where I can't even get it up to save my life, <laughs> I guarantee you can do it. <laughs> Thank so you, if you're open to this kind of possibility, <laughs> I'm here for you. And if you're not, I respect that too. When gotcha. you're ready, you're ready. Gotcha. Such a pleasure. Well, Michael, we're going to take our last break of the day. Hang in there with me. We'll be right back after this commercial. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello. Welcome back. I have been speaking with Michael Russer this afternoon or this morning about uh, his recovery and uh, growth from prostate cancer. Um, and I want to ask you, uh, as a female, um, and I'll be 45 in July, so my dating pool of men might be uh, encountering the same types of, of issues. What advice would you give to a female or even a female who has a man has a temporary bout of impotence? How can we be emotionally supportive? Uh, what pointers or tips could you provide from what would you need from a female? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, first of all, you got to remember, this is something that induces incredible shame. It gets right to the core of how most men view themselves as men. So they tend to shut down. And I literally had one lady call me up and say uh, she had heard about me. And she said, can you help me? Uh, my fiancé. Um, as uh, you know, he's, he's been rendered impotent, and now he is so shut down, he doesn't want. He's, he's at, literally said, mm-hmm. "Go find some other man," because I'm not a man anymore. Oh wow! And yeah, and so you know, communication is crucial. Is absolutely crucial. So, um, and, and, and unfortunately, a lot of women um, are, are shaken by this as well. Uh, mm-hmm. It's interesting because in a lot of relationships where they were in a relationship before they before the onset of ED, uh, when it happens, not only does the man tend to shut down, but then the woman starts thinking, well, maybe he doesn't find me attractive anymore. And mm-hmm. even though she knows intellectually that's not the case, but the combination of not being able to get it up and the shutdown kind of sends her a signal, right? And then mm-hmm. then it spirals. Sometimes it'll spiral and she'll go, she'll start you know, uh, trying to somehow induce that intimacy that that is now disintegrating before her eyes. And that that just, you know, it it does not work for the man, right? So so Mm -hmm. what I would do, uh, what I would recommend to women who are in that situation is take a very firm stand, and and no no pun intended there, but say, (laughs) um, you know, sweetie, I know this has got to be the hardest thing you've ever, ever encountered. And I just want to let you know I am absolutely here for you. And I also would would like us to, you know, just look at other ways of maybe doing things. Okay. And here's the thing, sweetie, I know I know enough about men that What's so important to men and what's so, I'm sure is so important to you is how well you're able to please me. But you see, just having intercourse, that's, that's mostly for, for having babies. And mm-hmm. I get that. And, and so let's look at other ways. Let's make this an adventure. 
are you open to that? Because mm. I certainly am, and I love you so much, and I know, I know that we we can work this out. And because you know, penetrative sex isn't that important to me. Mm-hmm. What is important is our love and our willingness to to uh, to you know kind of be adventurers here and, and and explore what's possible. I'm willing to do that because I love you so much. Are you know? Will you join me there? And if you approach it that way, he's not going to feel, first of all, he's going to feel very heard and seen. And he's also not going to be, um, feel like, uh, you know, less of a man. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, I, I know enough about men <laughs> being part of that gender that when my woman comes to me with that, it's like, oh, God. See, men are, have not been taught to be vulnerable. And I'm part of a, I'm part of a, a group called Mankind Project. I don't know if you're okay. familiar with it. No. Uh, MKP.org. It's a marvelous international organization. That's whose mission is very simple. Uh, building better men, uh, to, for a safer world. And it's about having men become more vulnerable. Okay. Become more, better men through really feeling and expressing their emotions. We're not talking about effeminizing men, not at gotcha. all. Gotcha, understood. Uh, and, and I don't think I come across as being very feminine. Not uh, at all, feminine. not at no, all. No, 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 I consider myself to be more of a man now than I ever was. How ironic. <laughs> uh, and I, I don't say that lightly, I say it with, with, great, uh, with great confidence and pride mm-hmm. because uh, in many ways I was only half a man when I, mm-hmm. everything was working right. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so they're, they're, we human beings have so much possibility <laughs> and we just, we, we're, you know, when we shut down to try to quote unquote protect the heart, well, yeah. the irony number one is the heart never needs protection. Uh, number, number two, now the, the ego on the other hand needs all kinds of protection apparently. But, <laughs> uh, uh, but if once we realize that and we are able to allow ourselves to feel vulnerable, which doesn't mean weak. It's the opposite of weak. Vulnerability mm-hmm. is, is a sign of strength. It means I'm willing to feel everything, whether mm-hmm. it feels good, doesn't feel so good, but I'm willing to feel. Sure. Alana, I just, I, I finished a book this past summer that is just incredible. It's called The Presence Process by Michael Brown. I don't know if you're familiar with it or not. I've heard of it, yeah. It is incredible, and it's all about. And, and if I could distill this rather large book down into one phrase, it's this: that life is not about feeling better; it's about getting better at feeling. And that really is the essence of of, of you know any kind of communication, especially intimate communication between partners, and uh, being risking that vulnerability from the woman's standpoint of expressing these views and thoughts and, and support and the man uh, allowing himself to be vulnerable in the space of his woman uh, and so that he can receive it and through that you know through that receiving uh, be on the pathway to a form of transformation because you see I made a choice about how I view myself as a man. And I chose not to take the cultural imperative of it's about how hard, how long, et cetera. I chose instead to see myself as a man by how deeply I connect with and am able to please my partner. And from that criteria, I have absolutely nothing to be ashamed about. And And that's one of the reasons I feel more of a man now than ever. I mean, and I really think that's what it's about. I don't know why we've gotten um, distracted with some of the other garbage that we carry around, but I think where you're at now is the basis for a lot of successful relationships um, if we only embraced where you're at now. But unfortunately, you know, we have to knock ourselves against the wall for so many years before we get to this this level of you know let me let me be intimate with my partner not not let me just exist with my partner and sex happens to be a part of that process um real quick uh before we get out of here i do want to talk about uh this the book that you have hardly broken um it's scheduled to be released in 2014 Yes, uh, later this year, and um, and uh, but folks can get a, a kind of a sampling of what's going to be in the book in the form of 52 weeks of uh, intimacy tips based on um, what my partner and I discovered, and 
and it starts with a series of tips on building emotional intimacy because, again, that is the foundation for all other intimacy. And eventually we get into some of the other things. I mean, we talk about how my partner and I prepare ourselves and mm-hmm. how we take showers and how we massage and, you know, all this kind of stuff. But, okay. but it really, it, it, it starts with the emotional intimacy first because any, any attempts to have extraordinary physical intimacy without that will wane very, very quickly. Okay. Okay. So if I can ask, like, can you give me a sample of something somebody could do to spark emotional intimacy? I think you mentioned the showers, but... Well, that's that's actually more of towards the physical intimacy side because that's getting prepared for mm-hmm. the lovemaking. Um, yeah. Uh, something as simple as when you're in, when you're, when you're, when you're together uh, anywhere, in public, walking, whatever, hold hands. Mm-hmm. Hold hands. It was interesting because my, my ex-wife and I, after a while, stopped doing that. Mm. And that was a sign that the emotional intimacy was broken. So just hold hands. And, and by the way, to hold hands requires a certain amount of vulnerability because it's saying in that very, very simple gesture, I love you, I accept you just the way you are, <laughs> and I invite you into my life experience. And just holding hands and, and creating that space. I know that sounds simple. It's like, well, duh. No, it's not <laughs> duh. A lot of people don't do it. Yeah. And, you know, and so something as simple as that. And, oh, wow. Uh, and, and, and then we do, we do a lot of things together. We have, we have very, we have, you know, similar interests. So we go hiking and our church is the outdoors. So we go hiking these beautiful country we have here in Southern California. And that uh, we take walks on the beach and, but we just don't do it to, to just do it. We really are present in what nature has to offer us. And mm-hmm. so we exalt in that and we fully appreciate. We are always so appreciative. And that's another thing. Appreciation for yourself, mm-hmm. for each other and for everything else that's been given to us in this incredible life that we have. There's always something to be appreciative. And when you do that, you feel your heart open up. And when your heart opens up, so does that emotional connection. Amazing tips and amazing pointers. Michael, you know what? We are at the end of an hour. I always tell my producer, Dave, that I think he cheats the clock on me. But I have enjoyed talking to you so much. Uh, Please visit the website, hardlybroken.com, and get ready to buy the book and check out his blog. Michael, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I appreciate the time. You bet, Lana. Thank you. (laughs) 